Josh here. This is the NOYC Godcast, a production of the Northern Ohio Youth Camp. Through various means, including a week of summer camp, youth conferences, sporting events, Christian content, and now a new podcast, the NOYC strives to give Christians a reason to continue on in Christ. Today will be a very special edition of the NOYC Godcast as we air a segment from our video devotion series, Shattered, which premiered at the NOYC back in 2019. We pray that Shattered will truly challenge and invigorate your soul as you continue on for Christ. For more information regarding the ministry, as well as additional Christian content, please visit our website at www.thenoyc.com. You may find it rather interesting, or maybe even alarming, how many reports throughout history even modern-day history, that the sky has opened up and stones have just begun falling. One such example took place right in our home state of Ohio. On October 31, 1901, in Harrisonville, Ohio, the small-town newspaper reported that a small boulder had crashed through the window of a local resident named Zach Dyes, even though there was not a single soul in sight to have slung the stone. Within a few days, the whole town of Harrisonville began being pelted by stones from a completely clear sky. The townspeople, who were obviously puzzled by this phenomenon, decided to take action. So they gathered up all the men and boys of the town, since they believed no woman could possibly be capable of such an act. And they began to intensely question each of the male residents to see who possibly could have done such a thing. And they ensured no mischievous stone throwing had taken place. Sure enough, after the interrogations were completed, there was no evidence at all. No individual had even thrown a single stone. Several days later, the stones again began falling from the sky upon Harrisonville, Ohio. And then they stopped, just as suddenly as it had started, with no explanation ever to be found. Since this event in 1901, there have been numerous other reports of raining rocks around the world including in Sumatra in 1903, Belgium in 1913, France in 1921, Australia repeatedly between 1946 and 1962, New Zealand in 1963, New York in 1973, and Arizona in 1983, each with the same MO as in Harrisonville, leaving riled residents and a missing meaning to the raining rocks. Now, this may be a bit of an odd question for me to ask next, But have you ever heard the expression, people who live in glass houses should not throw stones? Now, typically, this supposed Chinese proverb means don't speak harshly or critically of someone if you don't want to receive the same in return. In other words, I shouldn't call you fat if I don't want to hear you tell me I'm ugly. The idea being that I can expect consequences, or in this case, stones, as a direct result of my choices. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Now, I'm not saying that the folks of Harrisonville, Ohio, and all of those other locations around the globe were calling God fat, per se. However, what I do know is that it's not beyond God's capabilities to throw stones. Some of you may be scratching your head a bit at that statement. It might seem like I'm calling God a childish stone slinger who can't take criticism, but Truth be told, that statement is biblical. That's right, God has a rock-reigning reputation. One perfect stone-slinging sample can be found in the book of Joshua. Now before we read of the rock-reigning report, allow me to give a bit of a backstory. So as we know, Israel's fearless leader Moses, 
who led the jailbreak out of Egypt, who wandered in the wilderness, comes to the end of his life. Joshua is chosen as Israel's next leader and the commander over Israel. So, this makeshift army of God's people now prepare to take the land that God has promised to them, but not without a few obstacles. When reading through the books of Numbers and Joshua, we see nation after king after nation that Joshua and Israel, who through God's might, defeat one after the other. Now specifically, we read in Numbers chapter 21 that Joshua and the Israelites ask King Sihon of the Amorites if they can peacefully pass through their land without stealing or harming or causing any sort of ruckus. Instead of giving the green light, King Sihon and the Amorites say, No way! In fact, they even go as far as to block and attack the Israelites. Almost sounds like the Amorites start throwing stones at God and his people. And then it happens. Only a couple of years later, we read in Joshua chapter 10 that Joshua and Israel have another encounter with the Amorites. Only this time, no doubt as a consequence of their stone-slinging decision in Numbers 21, God decides to rain rocks upon the Amorites. Here's the account in Joshua 10:11. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them. The Amorites throw a stone at God, and guess what? God starts throwing stones back. Only as you can imagine, the rocks God rains down are much larger than the stones of the Amorites. If that's not proof enough that God throws stones, consider the plague he rained down on Egypt after they held God's people hostage. The third plague that God sends to Egypt is hailstones. God tells Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh says, ain't gonna happen. And so, God responds by raining hailstones. God starts throwing stones. We can look at the book of Revelation, which obviously hasn't happened yet, but after the world rejects Christ and follows evil, are there any guesses to what God tells us he's going to rain? That's right, rocks. In Revelation 16:21, we read that God will rain rocks weighing as much as a person. Then, of course, there's the obvious commands of God that the Bible gives as a consequence for sin. Now, this may be a bit PG-13, and certainly could be considered inhumane in our PC culture, but in the Old Testament, the Bible commanded that for certain sins and breaking of the commands, the culprits should be brought before everyone and stoned to death. Literally, God commanded that people who sinned should be put to death by pelting them with stones. Now, this is grotesque. It's cruel and unusual. And it was possibly the absolute worst way a person could die in this day, or even today for that matter. But do you know why the punishment was so severe? It's because God took, and still takes, sin very serious. For the individual being stoned, it would have been very excruciating and a horribly painful death. Rocks of many sizes, even large boulders, will be thrown as hard as possible at the individual. The bones through their entire body would be broken, crushed, and shattered. They would suffer internal bleeding and typically would lose consciousness before blacking out and eventually dying. It really was an unforgettable and very direct consequence for sin. So, man would sin and in doing so would hypothetically sling stones from their fleshly, feeble glass house in God's direction. As a direct consequence of this decision to sin, God would make sure the sinning individual received a stone back. If you would allow, 
I'd like to claim that a more accurate saying that the Bible teaches is, people who are made of breakable clay shouldn't throw stones by sinning against God. The truth of the matter is, sin shatters, always. We may not commonly see modern-day stonings in our public square anymore, but the same truth remains. Even in the year 2019, there is a price to be paid for sin, and there is a consequence for choosing to sin. If you don't want your life to shatter, don't sin. Don't sling stones at God. Just as the rocks that were thrown in an Old Testament stoning would break and shatter bones of every kind, when we choose what God has clearly told us not to do, sin, we hypothetically throw a stone in God's direction. Whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, there will be a price to pay for that sin. God will, in some way, shape, or form, throw a rock back at your clay flesh, and it will break. It's a rock raining result of sin. Most of the time, when we talk about being broken before God as a Christian, we are speaking of a painful but a good thing. And the truth is, we at times will endure a trial and a breaking process which has absolutely nothing at all to do with us. We haven't sinned, we haven't thrown a stone of any kind, yet God knows we need to be broken. However, there's also the breaking that we choose ourselves as a direct result of our sin. If we were looking for an absolute perfect example in scripture of a person who had a good, even a great life, but they threw it all away because they decided to sin, they decided to throw rocks at God. And as a result, they became so broken, their life was shattered by their own choosing. We could look no further than King David's dilemma. Now, I know that King David has become the epitome of what it looks like when someone sins or when a Christian slips up. But have you ever considered just how big of a rock came raining down on David because of his sinful stone slinging? Have you ever really looked at just how broken David would become? For no other reason than that he sinned against God. What we have to realize about David is that this is the same guy who years earlier God handpicked as an unlikely king. David, as a shepherd boy, would have God's spirit poured upon him. He would have strength unlike those around him. He defeated bears and lions with his own two hands. He picked a fight as a teenager with a name-calling giant who David didn't like his tone. And he won! David goes on to serve in the kingdom of Saul. And eventually, we know that David took the throne himself as the king of Israel. In fact, not just any king, but David would become the standard, the favorite, the king to beat for every king since. Even today, thousands and thousands of years later, King David is the favored king in Israel. David not only accomplished all of this greatness, but David was real when it came to serving God. So many kings in Israel would serve God half-heartedly, seeking their own desires and sprinkling with God here and there. But not David. He loved God. He craved God. He cherished God's commands. He desired God's will in his decisions. He was a godly individual to say the least. Even more so, God himself calls David a man that was after his own heart. We read in Psalm 17 that David was the apple of God's eye, which means he was cherished above all others. So we see that this guy we're talking about wasn't just an evil sinner or a common Christian. This man was an upright, godly, loyal, and faithful servant of God who truly in his heart wanted to please God and do his will. And yet 
Even with all of this being true, David, living in his clay flesh, he still slung a stone at God. If David, a man after God's own heart, can sin, who am I to think that I won't? Don't we often fool ourselves into falling for the lie of, I would never do that. We convince ourselves that only the really bad sinners sin. Only the weak Christians stumble and slip up. But not me. No doubt, David easily could have thought that to himself before. And yet, there came a day when David would commit such severe sins that his life would have no choice but to be shattered. It is so vital that each and every one of us realizes that anybody is able to sin. And I mean really sin. Your parents, your Sunday school teacher, your song leader, youth leader, your pastor, and you, especially you, are able to sin. Some of you are sitting in your glass houses, your fragile clay vessels, and you're playing with the rocks. You're seeing just how high you can throw them without God noticing. You may not be really sinning, but you're getting as close as you know how without going all the way. Instead of looking at naked pictures, you're looking at almost naked pictures. Instead of swearing, you're using words that sound similar. You may not be the one inhaling, injecting, or taking a drink, but you're present when it's taking place. Or maybe you're not going all the way with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you're getting pretty much as close as you possibly can. Listen, God is not fooled. He's not into your how close can I get kind of gains. And the fact of the matter is that some of you are going to end up very surprised because one day, even if you didn't think you threw the stone at God all the way, he is going to sling a stone back. You're still going to be broken because of what you've done. Some of you sitting here still aren't convinced that you could ever be capable of committing crimes against God, such as David did. Some of you think you are super Christians who laugh in the face of temptation, but you're still telling little lies here and there, you're still gossiping, you're not faithful to reading your Bible or to praying daily. Maybe you're just jealous all the time. Maybe you don't go to church like you should, or you just hang out with bad influences. Some of you think because you're throwing such small stones that God won't notice. But let me tell you, uh, he knows. And I'll let you in on a little secret. The size of the stone God throws back is not always what you'd expect. May I remind you that in telling a little lie, Ananias and Sapphira were killed on the spot. Talk about a big stone. Any sin, any sin is a stone slung against God, regardless of the type of sin or the stone size. And so, anytime we sin, we must accept that there will be a consequence. We're going to receive a rock raining down upon us. David, even though he openly admitted he loved, craved, and desired God's commands, he still went on to throw stones, and he broke many of God's commandments. Now, without going into all the gritty details, think of the Ten Commandments and the big sins we find there. Realize for a minute, David did all of these. Adultery, murder, the big ones. David came to a place in his life where he really threw some major stones in God's direction. Read in 2 Samuel 12, verses 10 through 12, of the stones that God slings back at David's clay vessel. God tells David, Because you have sinned against me, because you have disobeyed and broken my commands, the sword will never depart from your family, David. There will always be murder, war, and fighting. Because you sinned against me, evil will be raised up from within your family. Your sons will betray you. There will be incest and murder and conniving from within your own flesh and blood. David, 
because you slung stones, I'm going to take your wives and give them to your neighbors, just like you took them from your neighbors. I'm going to take this sin and make it public so that the whole kingdom and the whole world will know what you've done. David, because you sinned, your child will perish and die after birth. This was David's demise as a consequence of his sins. Now that's quite a list of consequences, but David had quite a list of sins, and the entire rest of the days that we read of David's life fulfill each and every one of these consequences. Every one of these rocks rained down upon his life. Throughout all that we read in scripture up until this point, David has been a strong, mighty, and confident individual. But in verse 13, we read of the prideful king admitting, "I have sinned against the Lord." The rest of the chapter, we read of just how broken and how shattered King David had become. David prays and begs God not to take his child. He falls upon the earth all day and all night, eating and drinking nothing. He didn't change clothes. He just wallowed and mourned and pleaded with God. In fact, David was so broken by the stones slung his way that when the child finally did pass away, David's servants were afraid to tell him the bad news because they were afraid what he might do to himself. David chose to sin and sling stones at God, and now David's flesh would become so broken and shattered by the consequences of his sins that he would become almost unrecognizable to those around him. Because of David's sin, his larger-than-life stature was diminished. His great reputation ruined. He was now known as a lying, adulterous murderer. David was humiliated, and for all intents and purposes, David's life as he knew it was broken to bits, pulverized to pieces. David was shattered. We may not receive the same rocks of consequence for our sins as King David did, and just as the consequences in our personal pebbles for sins differ, so do the broken pieces of our lives. Some people suffer from addiction because of their decision to sin. Even after becoming a Christian, they can't stop or give it up because they threw that stone first and now they're stuck. Some may suffer physical conditions and ailments as a consequence of their stone slinging. Others may have lost their friends or their family. Or maybe like King David, they've lost their prestige and position. Their reputation becomes ruined and they are humiliated. Whatever the case may be, The shattering sequence that follows is intended to hurt. It's intended to cause damage and it's intended to break us. We read a first-hand account of David's depiction and how he was feeling in Psalms chapter 51. David would admit that he had reached the very bottom and that he had absolutely no hope in this life aside from God. He continually brings up his sin in chapter 51, proving that it is obviously always on his mind. The fact that he has sinned and failed. In verses 16 and 17, David declares that he himself has sinned against God and God only. And in order to correct the wrong he has done, David says, "For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise." David faced the reality that because of his sin, The only thing that now could take place in his life was becoming broken. David became broken and humbled and learned a very valuable lesson that God desires for each of us to understand. We are not intended to pick ourselves up from the dirt and mire we find ourselves in. 
We are not supposed to cleanse ourselves, work harder to have forgiveness handed to us. We cannot make things right in and of ourselves. David told us God doesn't want more sacrifices or burnt offerings. Instead, God only wants a broken spirit and a contrite heart. If we will give this to Him after we have sinned, He will look at the pathetic mess we have made and look at us in our shattered state, and He will lovingly say, This I can use. As David put it, He will not despise. He will not cast away or count as worthless. Even in the broken state that this once godly king found himself, he recognized God was with him. David would fully receive every one of the foretold consequences. But David would also receive an abundance of grace from God. While David would never be the same, he would righteously recover. The only reason that this occurred for David is because he humbled himself and became broken before God. But not everyone in the Bible, or in 2019, are as lucky. Take, for example, King David's predecessor, King Saul, who slung stones at God and got some stones slung back. He wound up dying as a result of the rocks raining. We could talk about the wicked people of Noah's day who wouldn't listen to God and were wiped off the earth. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, who were wicked and fire fell from heaven. Achan, who slung stones at God by stealing. He and his whole family were stoned to death for it. Ahab would throw every stone imaginable and would be wounded in war as a result of a rainy rock. Even Judas would never recover after slinging stones at the Savior and selling him out for silver. He would die a depressed death. There are so many others in the Bible who made the decisions to sin, and in doing so, they received consequences they could never recover from. The absolute bottom line is that there is a penalty for sin. We must always repay our rocks. While we live under a new covenant since the Old Testament, the same God is in control. Here's a little gem from the New Testament in the book of Romans. Now, you're not going to find this on a coffee cup, a bookmark, or a t-shirt in any Christian bookstore. But here we go. After thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Or consider this verse from Colossians 3.25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Case in point, those who live in clay flesh should not throw sinful stones. In the modern culture we live in, Everyone around you at school, on TV, the gym, at work, and even at church are telling you that sin doesn't matter very much, that it's more important to be relevant, to love everyone, or to not pass judgment. We're told that God loves everyone, God wants us to be happy, and that everyone has to find their own truth. But I can tell you, each piece of this terrible advice is a lie that's inviting rocks to rain down. Sin is sin is sin, and sin still matters. It still counts. It's still relevant. If God said not to do it, he meant it. Listen and save yourself from having to endure a breaking, a shattering, as a result of your decision to sin and to sling stones. You can stop the sin shattering before it takes place. You can avoid the anguish and entirety of the pain and consequences that follow. If you choose to live a godly life, avoiding sin in every way, we all slip up, but when our hearts are set on pleasing Christ, His grace is sufficient, 
and protects us and directs us in the ways in which we should go. You may think the way you live your life really doesn't matter all that much. As long as you believe in Jesus and claim his name, the rest are minor details. But friend, the truth is you're wrong. It does matter. The final eruption of Mount St. Helens in May of 1980 was not a sudden event. In fact, for two months prior to the massive blast, the most deadly and destructive volcanic eruption in American history, there were earthquakes and volcanic activity, which signaled major events were underway. Authorities had plenty of time to sound the alarm and warn those living nearby of the looming danger. Yet despite the seriousness of the threat, some people chose to disregard the warnings, knowing the truth, but choosing the consequences of ignoring them. Probably the best known of those who refused to evacuate was Harry Randall Truman. No, not that one. Not the old president. This 83-year-old man was the owner and caretaker at the Mount St. Helens Lodge at Spirit Lake. He had survived the sinking of his troop ship by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland during World War I. And uh, he was not about to leave just because scientists thought there was danger. Mr. Truman told reporters, I don't have any idea whether it will blow, but I don't believe it to the point that I'm going to pack up. On May 18, 1980, Truman and his lodge were buried beneath 150 feet of mud and debris from the volcanic eruption. His body was never found. Truman was warned, and instead of heeding the warning, he received the consequence that he deserved. You can choose your sin, but you cannot choose how your sin will shatter your life. Again, we encourage you to head over to our website or the description of this video. We do have a link there with some memorable moments from the NOIC. Also encourage you to share today's podcast so that others can be encouraged and invigorated as well. And so thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time, continue on in Christ.